Hi, everybody, and welcome to the 100 Pounders meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Today is Wednesday, the 15th of June, 2022. And I am delighted today to be introducing the lovely Stephanie L. Stephanie L lives in Southern California. She came into OA in 2005. She is a 100 pounder and she is going to tell you exactly what she did to get well. So Stephanie, I am going to hand it over to you. Take it away, my love. Hi, good morning, everybody. I'm Stephanie L and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. As is already said, I live in Southern California and I wish I could say that I have been abstinent and recovered since 2005. Unfortunately, that is just not just not my story. And, um, you know, my story is that, you know, um, I have struggled with compulsive eating my entire life. Um, even as a young child, I always wanted more. It was never enough. Um, I never understood why at um, slumber parties, um, I'd go to these parties with 10 other girls, we'd order pizza, there'd be junk all over the place, they'd be asleep and I'd be still sitting at the table eating <laughs> or, or waiting till they went to sleep because I wanted more. It, it was never, ever enough. And, you know, today I am well aware that um, I have like this, this oozing, I don't know if it's oozing, but I have this hole inside of me, um, this spiritual need that people, food, things, nothing can fill. Nothing can fill other than a power greater than myself who I, who I choose to call God. But I, I didn't know that as a little girl. I didn't know that growing up. And quite frankly, I didn't know that until I got here. And, um, you know, I was a professional dieter before coming to OA. I can lose weight. And let me tell you, I have the skin to prove it. <laughs> you know, I, there is a, there, gaining and losing a hundred pounds multiple times throughout my lifetime. Um, it really takes a toll on this amazing God-given body, um, that has been able to withhold, um, you know, or withstand the test of time and the abuse that I have, I have done to it. So, um, and let me just, let me just say out loud, I always get so nervous when I'm speaking. And also let me say, it's super cool to be in the UK because I've never been there. So cool. One of the, one of the only good things I think that came out of this whole pandemic is Zoom and being able to connect with people all over the world. That has been so amazing. Um, it just really has that there's 113 people, you know, on this meeting. For me, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it is for all of you, but that's just amazing. And I also just want to say too that God is the hero of my story. That um, this. This, I have not, this was done to me. I show up and I'll talk a little bit about what that looks like, but I show up and this amazing, loving, all powerful God has, has restored me to sanity. Um, so, and, and I'll just like, if I could show the pictures real quick, cause I think that's a good way a good way to start too. Um, I don't have a lot of pictures because when I'm 250 pounds, I don't want people to see me. Um, I just don't. So 
Um, I don't know. Did I send just one page or are there two? I wonder which one I sent you. Well, this this will work. So what what I wanted to show in in this in these three pictures is I again I've had periods of being recovered. I've been I've had periods of being at a healthy weight and I've had periods of relapse and I'm currently 17 months out of a two-year relapse. And this picture on the upper left was my first day of transferring to a four-year university. I went back to school, which was one of the gifts of this program. At this point, I had been um, recovered for over three years. And this is me with my grandson. I'm excited. I'm walking. I'm, I, I'm finally going to be on a, a college campus going to school. Um, you know, I, I, I was so happy. And, you know, I was representing with my Cal State Fullerton t-shirt. My grandson was representing with his Cal State Fullerton t-shirt. And life was good. But let me tell you, four months later, I relapsed. Four months later, I was back in the food. And what you see in the top right-hand picture was me on graduation day. Um, there's my grandson. There I am. I'm 100 pounds heavier than I was on the picture on the left, shoved into this dress. Um, I don't even know why I allowed anyone to take a picture of me that day. Because as I said, when I'm at my top weight and I'm over 200 pounds, I don't want, not only do I not want to be seen by you, but I don't want any proof. I don't want to look at, you know, the, the physical ramifications of this disease. And then the bottom picture was me about, uh, that was uh, before the OA birthday party, down 110 pounds um, by the grace of God. So thank you, Rita, that's, that's, that's great on the pics. Um, so um, I think what I really want to focus on today was, or is, you know, I don't want to talk a lot about the drunk log, but here's what I will tell you. This is how I eat. Um, and it's funny because I was with my supervisor. Um, I'm, a, um, I'm an intern. I'm in graduate school now to be a therapist um, specializing with children and adolescents. And I'm doing an internship and I was meeting with my clinical supervisor and we started talking about OA for some reason. And I was sharing with her what it was like and her mouth just dropped. Like she, you know, people who aren't like us, they, they just don't get it. Because this is what happens to me. <sighs> Food becomes everything. Food becomes my God, it becomes my master. I, and, and I'm a night eater, so I hold on all day long, doing whatever diet, whatever it is, I seem to be able to hold on, I'm like this, all day long. And then something happens at eight o'clock at night, and it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I don't know, like, I, I, I can't hold it anymore. And then I, I binge on whatever I can find in the house, or I go out and get whatever I need. I sit and watch Netflix. I escape into this world of Netflix. And, you know, like a party for me is to find a series that has like 10 seasons on Netflix. I have watched Grey's Anatomy, which is like, I don't know how many seasons now, multiple times, right? And, you know, eat and escape into Netflix and 
eat myself, you know, like pass out, wake up, continue eating food all around me, chocolate stains all over my shirt. And then I go to bed and I wake up the next morning and I just want to die because I don't want to live like that anymore. And this is a progressive disease. And like I talked about, you know, I, I could diet, I could diet and lose the weight, but as soon as I lost the weight, I would buy all the new wardrobe. You know, we always hear people tell the story. I'd buy the new wardrobe. And then in a blink of an eye, the weight was packing on again. And I'd have a closet full of clothes with tags that I never, ever wore. And that was the cycle for me over and over and over again. And then at one point I couldn't even diet anymore. And it really came to a head. And the way I found OA, my middle daughter, I have three daughters, three adult daughters today. And my middle daughter started using drugs when she was 15. And I found OA through finding, trying to get her help. I heard about 12-step programs. I had heard about AA. I had never heard of Overeaters Anonymous. And I remember going, you know, I found a meeting because I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something wrong. I like, I don't know why I can't even diet anymore. And I would pay thousands of dollars for these diet programs. My favorite one where I lost the most weight, I lost my first hundred pounds where I'd go in every day. They'd give me a shot in my butt, a vitamin shot every day. And I'd pee on these little sticks to see if I was in ketosis. And I lost 40 pounds in like eight weeks. It was like a crazy doctor supervised diet and also taking diet pills. I would pay the money and within a week I was eating and I couldn't stop. And so I couldn't even diet anymore. And I remember I found an OA meeting and a live meeting and I showed up and it was in the parking lot and I sat there and I was scared to go in and I saw all these really thin, beautiful young girls walking into this church. And I was like, fuck this. <laughs> this is, I'm a middle-aged 250 pound woman. This is not for me. I don't know what's happening in there, but this is not for me. And so I went home. I didn't go in. I went home and there was like this nagging. I don't know. Try it again. Go to a different meeting. And I went to my first meeting and I heard people talk about food the way, like say things out loud that I had never told uh, anyone that I eat out of the garbage, that I put, I, I, I put cleaning supplies in the garbage on top of the food so I won't eat it. And then I take it back out of the garbage like 10 minutes later and wipe it off and then I eat it. Or I go to the grocery store and I always eat the same freaking things. I am not creative with my food. Sweet, salty, lots of chocolate. Sorry, I'll stop talking about food. I don't know if it's okay at this meeting, but I'll go buy all the same things. I'll eat on the way home, throw it out the window because I think that's going to make me stop eating it. And then I'll go back to the store and buy more. And then I'll go home and binge until I pass out. And then I'll tell myself, it'll be okay tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Like there's some kind of fairy that's going to wave the magic wand, you know, and, and make me abstinent the next day. So I went to OA, I bought every single book. And it's funny because I married, I met my husband in OA. He's like a 480 pounder. Okay. Um, sick newcomer meets sick compulsive overeating man. And... <laughs> There you go. The rest is history, right? I always tell me 13 steps me because he had a year and I had 30 days when we got together. 
And um, yeah, it's been an interesting and interesting ride. But so he had all the, he has all the books. I have all the books. We've got two or three copies of every single freaking book that you can, you can get in OA and most of them from AA. But I bought all the books. I want to know what the diet was and I want to get the hell out of there. Well, clearly that didn't work. So fast forward, you know, I, I get abstinent. I work the steps. I lose 125 pounds. I became, I, I was extremely thin. People thought I was anorexic. Um, I was, you know, exercising four times a week. I was wearing a size zero sometimes, size two, size zero. And people, it was the craziest thing because in meetings, people would come up to me and want me to sponsor them. Because on the outside, you know, I looked, I was young, I was thin. I, I looked a certain way, but the inside I was dying. I was dying on the inside, right? So even today, when I look for a sponsor, I don't look for what the sponsor looks like. I look for what the sponsor says, the glow coming from their eyes, their what, you know, how they talk about the book, how they talk about God. And all of these years in OA, what I never got, I would hear people talk about the spiritual piece. And you know what? When you're around here for this long, and when you've worked the steps and read the book, I can quote the book. But here's the thing, what I never got until today, this is a really a spiritual program. And God is really the answer. Or whoever you call your higher power is really the answer. I, I was that person who'd say, this book is saving my life. This program is saving my life. Well, these steps, the book shows me how to work the steps. And the steps connect me with power with a God of my understanding, who I know today is loving and kind and is never gonna leave me and is always with me and holds my hand when I'm crying and leads me to, you know, I don't always understand God's will. And I'll tell you these, this, these last however many months, there's been some pretty hard things that have happened but I know that I have not been alone with that. So, so that's what the big book and the steps lead me to. They lead me to power, the power that I don't have. And my sponsor always, you know, she always talks about God sends out these search and rescue missions for us addicts. And I'll never forget, like it had been two years, I was waiting to die. COVID was happening. People who were morbidly obese were the people dying from COVID. I was working from home on Zoom. And the funny thing is I worked in, I worked in a rehab as a drug and alcohol counselor with adolescent girls. And every day I'd be talking about the big book and recovery and feeling like a fraud because I'd be eating in between clients. I'd eat before work. I'd eat, I mean, I felt like the biggest fraud but let me tell you about this book, right? Let me, let me help you find recovery because it works. And um, I could barely walk down the street. I would wake up, I'd go from the bed to the chair, wash my face, show the camera like this. So this is how I worked on Zoom so no one could see my body, right? Because, you know, um, I have a relatively thin face and even at my top weight, if I just hold the camera just right, right? So um, I could barely walk down the street. 
I wasn't, the food wasn't even good anymore. I was crying at night when I was eating because I desperately wanted to stop and I never leave. So I'd get a sponsor off the vision line. I'd go to OA How and get a sponsor. And I was bing, 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 you know, looking for the best sponsor, um, the best food plan and nothing was working. And I had had over three years of freedom. And I'm like, I thought God had turned on me. I mean, I was, it was like, okay, I'm going to die. I had health problems. I was having, um, I have something called superventricular tachycardia and my heart would jump to 180 out of nowhere because I have an electrical wiring problem that I didn't know about, which is interesting because in these last 17 months, I have had rarely had episodes of this heart issue and it was happening to me all the time and I was in the emergency room all the time okay because stress and sugar was contributing to, to some of that I go to the OA birthday party on zoom I don't know why I registered the morning of the party I don't know what made me log on and I and and I was eating with the camera off crumbs all over my laptop and I heard this woman I had never heard before and I heard her talk about these search and rescue missions and then there was something else she said. She said, you can have all the desire in the world, but not the needed power. I had had sponsors who had dropped me and said, you just don't want this enough. You haven't hit a bottom. I'm like, what the hell? What does that mean? I want to stop and I can't. Um, and so I, I swear to you, I am not exaggerating. What was in my mouth fell out of my mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, as my earpiece falls out of my ear. That was kind of funny. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, I wrote her phone number down. I called her and she agreed to sponsor me. And I have been abstinent since that day. And um, she said to me, you're going to pray for 30 minutes. You're going to spend 30 minutes in prayer and meditation every morning. And I was like, what? I've, I've been in no way for 15, 16 years, and I've never spent 30 minutes. I, I'm busy. Don't you know I work? I'm a graduate student. I take care of my four-year-old grandson. What? And by the way, and I didn't say any of this here because I'm a good soldier. This is all going on in my head. And by the way, God has screwed me, and I want nothing to do with God. But I was out of ideas, and I was desperate. And I didn't want to live like I was living anymore because I was living in darkness. My life was so dark and dank. It was like, it was like, I was, I was also sure I was going to choke because I, for me, it's violent the way I eat. Shoving food in my mouth so fast, I was sure I was going to choke and die. Someone's going to find me with a freaking Hershey's bar of my, I don't know. Um, and so I'm like, I'm out of ideas. Okay, fine. So the next morning I didn't know what to do because what do you do for 30 freaking minutes? I set my timer and I couldn't even look at God and I'm very visual. And if you've heard this before, I apologize, but it's such a big part of my story. I was sitting, I pictured myself sitting on a park bench and God was on one side and I was on the other. And I just was staring straight ahead going, I can't look at you. I want nothing to do with you. You have ruined my life. I want to die, but I'm here. And I 
talked to someone later that day and I said, I, I don't, what do you do in those 30 minutes? And I told her about my experience. And this wonderful, beautiful woman said, well, Stephanie, why don't tomorrow, why don't you just picture you move a little bit closer on that park bench? And the next day, a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And so the next day I moved a little bit closer and I still was like a two-year-old brat going, screw you, God. But every day I got a little bit closer. And by the end of the week, I could look at God. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, you're here. You didn't leave me. I left you. I left you. And I don't know, something shifted. And my sponsor also told me by step two, you're going to feel the power flow in. Right? You're going to start feeling the power. And that first week, I couldn't sleep because my body was so used to like um, binging to sleep every night. And I would just be like, I just held on. I don't, I, you know, in the AA 12 and 12, it talks about we open the door of willingness just a little bit, a crack of willingness, and then God can come in. And it was kind of like that for me. And so, you know, step two was, was really important for me because I really, and then here's what I learned. And one of my favorite, and this is really present for me lately. I don't, I don't know why. On page 55 and We Agnostics, it says, because I was searching for, I was always like, I've got to find God. I've got to find God. Well, here's the thing. It says here, actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. And I blocked God with my selfishness, my ego and pride, my need to control everything and everyone around me. You know, even in OA, constantly searching for the best sponsor, the right book to read. You know, I would, I would have this weird dialogue in my head. Okay, okay, that's it. That's what I need to do. That's it. And like I said, it wasn't until I said, I don't know. And step one for me is I'm powerless over food. I can't fix this. And I, I, you know, who raised three daughters as a single mom, who, who built a successful business career without going to college, bought a home. Like I, I was so successful in so many areas of my life, but never with this food thing, right? Like Bill, I thought you know, and I was, I was brought up to believe, be strong, don't let anyone see you sweat, pull through. My kids didn't see me cry until I came to OA. And so I had to really, in my heart of hearts, believe that I can't fix this food problem by myself. I am powerless. And then the unmanageability of my life. I had a hysterectomy during those two years of relapse because of some other things. I was having heart problems. I couldn't walk down the street. Sometimes I had a hard time. This is so gross, but I could barely wipe my butt in the bathroom sometimes. I, I was so, and it wasn't just the size, my size. It was because I never moved my body. 
so that step one was so important and then and then step step two you know maybe there maybe god maybe just maybe you love me enough to help me with this food problem and i just needed a little bit of that and a little bit of of willingness to show up on that park bench and get closer and closer and today i wanted more than 30 minutes i sat there longer i read this spiritual reading and it reminded me of a spiritual song i love and i'm sitting in my little spiritual area singing and my husband's like <laughs> he's like what are you doing and i'm like i don't know but i just i feel I feel so protected and I feel so loved. And I know that this is a miracle. My sponsor was at search and rescue mission and my sponsor didn't fix me and the steps didn't fix me, but this miraculous God, you know, has brought me to this place. And, and so step three is, you know, I got to turn everything over or make a decision to and I don't do that very well. And so here's the thing I know today, I am seriously flawed, but God still loves me. I am seriously flawed and I have these character defects and that's the work today. I do that work in step 10. You know, yesterday I met with a client's father and he was a very awful man. And I was in a closed room, just him and I, and he said some things that were hurtful to me and were hurtful about my client. And when he left, I was shaking and I wanted to cry. And, you know, I had to look at, okay, this man is spiritually developing just like me. How can I be of service to this man? I prayed for this man. He came up in my meditation this morning. I prayed for him in my meditation and I'm not resentful at him anymore. And you know what? I get it. He's got a tough situation. He's got a, there's just a lot going on. And so I can do a 10 step and find relief from my selfishness because how dare he treat me that way? That's five minutes. Thank you so much. Um, how dare he treat me that way? The dishonesty is that, you know, that this man is trying to harm me in some way or that the dishonesty is that I am better than him, right? Um, and so I worked through that and I was okay. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what happened with my relapse. Life got big, life got good. I stopped doing 10 steps. So I wasn't, I wasn't dealing with resentments. I wasn't spending time in prayer and meditation. So I wasn't, you know, enlarging my spiritual life. I look back on it now and it's like, man, I don't know how I stayed in recovery for all those years because it was nothing like it is for me today. And then if a sponsor relapsed, I'd be like, kind of relieved because then I didn't have to take that phone call. And that is an awful thing to admit. But on January 1st, you know, surprise, surprise, because the relapse happens way before the food goes in my mouth. And so it's a miracle that I'm here today. And so today I take 10, 11, and 12 very seriously. And it's really about working on the character defects because I'm, I, you know, I still want to control the world. I want my husband to do it a certain way. 
my husband spoke on a meeting this weekend and I was sitting next to him in my head going, say this, say that, wait, what? you didn't say that right. And I, I and literally, this is me. You can't see me on camera, but I'm pushing the big book over to him because I want him to quote it. <laughs> so I got to make an amends to him after that. But so I'm, I'm, I'm flawed and I have a program that helps me work on that. And I don't have to hate myself for making mistakes. I can see it as it is. I'm under construction. I'm spiritually growing. Um, and this relationship with this power is fundamental to everything else I do in my life. Um, when I'm meeting with clients, I pray when I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do. I invite God in, you know? Um, and it's funny because when I don't do that, like with that father of a client yesterday, I didn't pray. I just sat there fuming inside. I wonder how it would have been different if I had prayed and asked God, please, please help me see this man the way you see him, God. Please show me what you would have me say or do, how you want me to show up, who you would have me be in this situation. Because when I do that, it's funny, the answers come, or maybe I'm prompted to just not say anything and just listen, whatever, you know, the more I, the more I invite God in to these moments, the more serene. And my, my favorite promises in the book are the 10 step promises. And I know that we read this in this meeting at the end, so I, I won't read them because it'll be duplication, but here's what I can tell you today. I'm not fighting the food. Um, I'm not even avoiding temptation. I am safe and protected, you know, but here's the warning and here's what I know. If I let up on the spiritual program of action, if I rest on my laurels and it says here, we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol is a subtle foe because I'll start believing the lie again that the food is the answer. We are not cured of, for us, compulsive overeating. What we really have is a daily reprieve, reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee, God? Thy will not mine be done. It's like, I have to show up and do this every day and continue, you know, to, to, to acknowledge that, you know, I don't got this one day at a time. And so with that, um, I will pass. So thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I think I speak from ever, for everybody to say that was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I was just going to read one of the quotes that's from the AA 12 and 12 that Stephanie talked about. It was about step three. Practicing step three is like opening the opening of a door, which to all appearances is still closed and locked. All we need is a key and the decision to swing the door open. There is only one key and it is called willingness. Once unlocked by willingness, the door opens almost of itself. And looking through it, we shall see a pathway beside, which is an inscription. It reads, this is the way to a faith that works. In the first two steps, we were engaged in reflection. We saw that we were powerless over alcohol or food, but we also perceived that faith of some kind. If only an AA itself is possible to anyone. These conclusions did not require action. They required only acceptance. And I'll stop the recording.